Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 401. Today is February 5th, 2023. I'm your host, John Pugliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, hey, in today's episode, I want to do a market review, and I want to do this in terms of a blog post that I just sent out over the weekend, and I show the relationship of the comparative value of money and how that relates to stock prices. We'll get into all that in just a minute, but before we do, a couple housekeeping announcements. Uh, number one, primarily, my server was getting some maintenance done this week, so you might have had some problems downloading the podcast or you know, going over to the website, looking at the blog posts, things like that. If you did, I apologize for your inconvenience. The server's been updated and expanded and should continue to handle the growing you know, volume and traffic that uh, you guys take it. So again, apologize for any inconvenience over there. Um, if you did contact me and you didn't hear back from me, then chances are your email or whatever you sent me got messed up during that downtime because anything that was in the hopper, I did respond to. So reach out to me again. And then also just want to always emphasize, if you sign up for those free blog post notices, there is a double verification. You'll receive an email and you do have to click the link to prove that it's really your email so that you can get on the list. If you don't, you won't receive the blog post notices. Oh, one more thing on that. If you are subscribed and you don't seem to be getting the emails, check your spam folder and make sure you're whitelisting anything that comes from Investable Wealth or the Wellsteading Podcast. And speaking of those blog posts, I did put one out Saturday night. And yes, that's generally how I do spend my weekends. You know, my idea of a good time is looking at stock charts and counting my money. And in that blog post was a chart where I show the comparative value of money. And what I mean by that is rather than just showing the S&P 500 versus, say, something like the interest rate on the 10-year treasury or, you know, short-term interest rates or something like that, I showed the value of money based on a relationship of the ratio of the yield from short-term interest rates divided by or compared to the earnings from the S&P 500. Now, just a simple way to mathematically look at that is to say if you take the price per earnings ratio of the S&P 500 and you multiply it times short-term interest rates, then that's essentially the same thing. And I put that on a chart and I used a log scale for the S&P 500 so you could see over time the magnitude of the moves within the S&P 500 and compare it to the value of money. And it's no surprise what it shows and it illustrates two things. One is, you know, no surprise that Cheap money makes stock prices go up. Expensive money makes stock prices go down. We all know that. But the point of putting together the chart was to show how rapidly the value of money or the cost of money has gone up in the last, say, six months or so. And it's gone up so much, in fact, that we are now at the third highest level that the value of money has been in the last 30 years. And it's the highest that the value of money has been over the last 16 years. And remember here, I'm specifically gauging this to the value of money as to how it relates to the profitability of the S&P 500. Now, again, there's different ways you can look at it, but I like to use that relationship because on a very simple level, it helps you understand your risk premium for being in the stock market. Essentially, what that chart is saying is that you have an alternative to be in a money market fund and say making 4.5% interest, and that's with little to no risk, or you could put your money into the S&P 500 
where you have a great deal of risk, I think especially given all the geopolitical issues that are going on right now, but you have a great deal of risk in the S&P 500, but the profit upside of that from a corporate profitability standpoint is maybe only 5 or 6%. And again, looking at that chart over a 30-year history, which is longer than some of you guys have been alive, you can see that when the value of money gets high and when it spikes up like that, and that's really only happened two previous times in history, those points occurred during the dot-com bubble and during the housing crisis, the financial crisis of 2008. And remember here, when we're talking about the value of money, that has two factors. One is that you can look at it as a borrowing cost, but the other factor is, and this is more important to you as the investor, you look at it as an earning or an income stream. And so the reason it relates to the price of the S&P 500 is that you have a choice as an investor. You can either put your money into a money market fund and right now earn about, you know, up to four and a half percent if you're in the right fund. Or you can put your money in the stock market. But right now we're looking at declining earnings and declining earnings almost always mean that prices are going lower. And so you not only have the risk factor of being in the market, but that's at a time when corporate profits are going down. And so you can directly compare what the yield is on the S&P 500 to what that interest rate is in your money market fund. And that's essentially how that value of money curve was defined. A point that I make in the blog post is also that a lot of investors right now are very enthusiastic that the Federal Reserve is either going to pause or maybe they're going to cut rates. Or the fact that, you know, the most recent rate increase was only 25 basis points. Well, again, I ignore all that and I simply look at that chart and I just see how high the value of money is. And I also look at it from the other perspective that nobody seems to be talking about, you know, in addition to the interest rate policy that the Federal Reserve has, they are also reducing the value of their balance sheet. And they're doing that to the tune of something like $90 billion a month. So think about the liquidity coming out of the market. At $90 billion a month, that's over a trillion a year of stimulus money that the Federal Reserve is pulling out of the market in addition to whatever they're doing with the interest rates. So that's another variable that I think will keep the value of money high. And then also, as I kind of briefly mentioned in that blog post, that value of money is not only based on what interest rates are, but it's also based on the earnings from the S&P 500. And so even if interest rates didn't go up anywhere from where they are right now, or even if they came down, the value of money could continue to go up if corporate profits move low enough. Because remember, that ratio is based on not only interest rate yield, but also the yield of corporate profits, or you know, another way of looking at that is the price per earnings ratio of the S&P 500. The bottom line is that money is extremely expensive right now. And from a historical perspective, that's not a good thing for stock prices. And again, that's why I charted that showing the S&P 500 so that you could see that relationship of when money is cheap, stock prices go up. When money is expensive, stock prices come down. It goes along with that old adage on Wall Street about not fighting the Fed. And again, I want to point out here, too, that I put that S&P 500 in a logarithmic scale. I usually don't do that. I chose to do it this time because you can only see the magnitude of the movement of the market if you use a log scale over time. For example, had I used just a regular scale for the S&P 500, then it would have looked like the current dip that we've had in the S&P 500. 
was about as severe as what happened in 2008 or in the dot-com bubble. And the reason for that is that, you know, from right now, we're about, say, 800 points from the peak that the S&P put in, you know, sometime back last year. And on a simple scale basis, that's comparable to the drop that the S&P 500 had, say, back in 2008. But back during the financial crisis, the peak before the market collapsed was maybe only like, oh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it's maybe something like 1,300 points. And it dropped down to 600 or 700. So it was a total loss of, you know, seven, 800 points. And so looking at that drop on a linear scale, it looks similar, but you have to remember that a 700 drop back then was like 50% of the overall value of the market, where today... A seven or 800 drop from the peak is only, you know, a 20% drop. And that's really the key element of that chart is that if the value of money keeps going up, then we likely haven't bottomed. And in fact, we would have to drop another, say, 35 or 40% to have something equivalent to what happened in the dot-com bubble or the housing bubble. And speaking about how low the market could go, and this goes along with all the recent enthusiasm we've seen in this past six weeks or so about people getting really excited that the Federal Reserve may be pausing or maybe cutting interest rates. Look at that chart. When the value of money starts coming down, that's related to when the Fed is cutting rates. Okay, again, it's not a direct relationship on that chart because I use different numbers, but it's essentially the same thing, that when the value is coming down, the Fed is probably cutting interest rates. And you'll note in those previous bubbles of the housing crisis and the dot-com bubble, that the market didn't bottom for maybe five to eight months after the Federal Reserve started cutting rates. So if that same logic plays out now, and again, we can't predict the future, history doesn't repeat itself exactly, but we do know that it rhymes. And so potentially, if the Federal Reserve even were to cut interest rates, from a historical perspective, the market is still likely to go down for the next multiple months. Now, I'm not being an alarmist here. I just want to point out that this is one of the relationships I look at, and it's one of the reasons that I'm holding such a high cash position right now, because I just think that that risk-reward ratio is out of whack. I don't see myself getting paid a premium to be 100% in the stock market when I can collect 4.5% being in a very safe and secure money market fund. Now, as that ratio changes... As price-per-earnings ratios change, as we get more clarity on whether corporate profits are going to go up or stagnate or decline, well, then my opinion will change. But for now, for me and my money, I would prefer to be mostly out of the stock market. Well, hey, am I right or wrong? I don't know. I can't predict the future. But God willing, I will be back for the next episode. So until then, as always, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best returns.